Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Thanks for joining us for part two of our discussion about the awesome new apologetic curriculum entitled Room for Doubt. And we're joined by uh, quite a few. Ray is with me and and the the makers of this curriculum are, are sitting here with me. We're at Lincoln Christian College once again. We get to sit once again in their awesome little podcasting studio, so it's awesome. Uh, we had such a great conversation, we, we just couldn't stop talking. Normally our, our podcast is 25, 30 minutes long, but man, the conversation kept flowing and we kept on recording. So uh, last week you heard part one of this conversation, and now this week, go ahead and listen to part two. Kevin, let me just quickly say one one point that I have become convinced is critical, and that is compare the alternatives. Mm. Mm -hmm. And what I hear and read, even from the ones that you mentioned as we started the podcast, who have publicly and famously now uh, kind of deconverted, I hear and listen to them making pot shots. And I don't mean that in a demeaning way because I I don't question their sincerity or the the severity of what they're experiencing. But what I hear is that they're calling into question, you know, this particular Christian tenet. They're calling into question that one, raising doubts about, you know, whatever. What I don't see is any explicit discussion or presentation on what the alternative is to which they're going. Mm -hmm. Okay, So one of the things that I try to emphasize is compare the alternatives so that even if we don't have absolute certainty in the area of Christian faith, I don't know, let's make up a 10-point scale or whatever, and 10's absolute, and well, we're not there. So let's say we're at a 7, you know, Seven, is that good or bad? Well, I don't know. I guess it's not, it's good, but it's not as good as I'd like for it to be. Okay. So, well, I, I find a lot of problems with being there at that seven. I'm, I'm checking this. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. I wonder, where are you going? Yeah. So if you're walking away from Christian faith, you are walking to something. Right. Whether you think you are or not, you're walking to something, mm-hmm. either in a belief or value system or a way of life. Uh, system, and you need to ask yourself tough questions that are just as tough and just as critical about the alternative yeah. to which you're going as you have been with your own Christian heritage. Mm. And when we look at it comparatively, that's where I would add to what Zach just said. Yeah. Not only do we have a lot of independent areas to to give us confidence to believe the truth of Christianity, we have a whole lot to go on to show that it's far superior to any yeah, alternative. Right, right. Okay? So, I mean, think John 6. You know, mm-hmm. they're walking away. Yeah. And then and then they said, okay, well, well, these are going away. And Jesus said, where are you guys going to? And where Peter will said, we go? Uh, <laughs> where are we going to go? Yeah. You're, the, you're the one that's got it. Right. And so that's the experience that I think I would like to have every person, young and adult, who has come raised in a Christian heritage to go through. Hmm. Encourage their questions, encourage their doubts, but prompt them to ask this question, where else are you going and what are you going to get?
uh, Lee Strobel's uh, Case for Faith video DVD. You know, he had one expert talk about that. They were talking about suffering, and 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 the the point was made. Okay, so yeah, you've got this child that's dying. You know, the Christian answer is this. Well, what if you disavowing Christianity? Then, you know, what's atheism or what's Hinduism yeah. or what? How are they going to answer the question of suffering in that right. instance? Mm -hmm. They 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 don't have an answer. And if people are wanting to be honest, which is, I think, what doubt is motivated by is honesty, then they would be willing to take the time to search that out. They should have been, well, I mean, a lot of should have been sad happened. I guess we can't go there because <laughs> we take forever to talk about mm -hmm. that. But, um, you know, I think it's, a, it's, it's really crucial, like you say, Rich, that we take the time to deal make it a priority item to deal with people where they're at and you know, ask the tough questions. If they're going to ask me a tough question, I'm going to... Jesus did that all the time, right? That was oh, exactly. His, that was his yeah. style. Was, uh, yeah, that's one of my main recommendations to people. You know, Jesus asked, well, one list that I've seen, 177 questions, something like that. Uh -huh. So uh, the way I like to put it is, what's somebody who's got all the answers asking all the questions for? That's a good, that's and, a good question. And I think that what, what, I mean, what Jesus has done or what the gospel you know, writers have done is to capture a component of Jesus' teaching method that provides precedent for how we should engage people today. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and if we could become better known for good question right. askers yep. than we are know-it-all answer givers, yep. we would be much more effective as witnesses for Christ in mm -hmm. our culture. All right. Well, our time is way past. So <laughs> I think a, that's a two-parter, Kevin. <laughs> that, that's what I'm thinking. We're probably going to make this into a two-parter. So I'm going to uh, elongate this a little bit. If you guys are willing to sure. stick around for an extra for minutes, mm -hmm. um, let, let me ask you a couple other questions here. Um, As we're talking about heroes of the faith, let's talk about John the Baptist. John the Baptist here, right toward the end of his life, as you mentioned, this is the guy who points to Jesus, says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the guy who stands up to Herod. This is the guy who is going to be executed for the faith. And his whole ministry is to point other people to Jesus. But at the end of his life, he's wondering, are you the guy? Are, are you the one? And, and so he sends a message to Jesus. And so we have, um, man, we mentioned some of these guys like Josh Harris and others. And there's a whole, there's a whole YouTube section on just de uh, deconversion stories and whatnot. How does that happen? How does it, uh, how, how does someone who is so strong in their faith, Josh Harris, for example, you know, the, uh, he wrote the I Kissed Dating Goodbye book. And, and you know, I don't, I don't hear what you guys think about that. But there's some other books he wrote that were pretty solid. Um, some books, in fact, I, I've used in my class. How does this guy, it, it, it's almost frightening. Um, how does this guy get to a place where he just renounces the faith? How does that happen? Yeah, Why I'd can't like, it happen to me? I'd love to do some real penetrating analysis yeah. of that. Um, 
it's not. I can't answer that question. Sure. You know, in his case, right. Um, I can say I think that the question, the kind of questions in his case that I've read that he raises, are the kind of issues that I believe could have been adequately yeah. answered or responded. Had he shared them early enough when he was right. beginning, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to pick on him specifically, but to extrapolate from his case to others, if people, when they are in the uh, initial stages, you might say, of questioning and doubting their faith, that's when it needs to be addressed, yeah. okay? Not at the tail end where you've allowed these things right. to accumulate in terms of their severity, et cetera. That's part of it. Part of it's intellectual, okay, that he might yeah. have some intellectual reasons for having questions and the doubts and stuff. But it's also volitional and, or yeah. moral. Yeah. yeah. Okay? Well, I mean, when I look at the history of Christian thought and consider people who have deconverted in one way, shape, or form, often it's not the, the ideas themselves, the philosophy yeah. that is modified then having a consequence on the behavior. It's often a change in lifestyle mm -hmm. or values that have effect on lifestyle. And then it's a matter of kind of retroactively going back and trying to come up with a coherent yeah. philosophy that, that, that fits with that right. new chosen way of life. Yeah. And so since there are a lot of different ways that people get there, therefore there must be different ways for us to try to address their yeah. respective needs. Okay, so if their doubts are primarily moral or volitional, I don't. They don't want to believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, if you don't want to believe, you know what do we do in that case? Huh? Well, hopefully we get a call from on Ray's cell phone <laughs> and we can talk to God directly because right. that's a matter of prayer. Okay, that's a matter of just praying for them and and praying that the Holy yeah. Spirit will not give up on them right. mm -hmm. and will continue to plant seed and fertilize that seed yeah. in their heart and mind. But if the, if the doubts are intellectual, catch them as early as possible. Try to provide some responses to them. So how it happens, I mean, in John the Baptist's case, it was circumstances yeah. that changed, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't just that he came to the end of his life and then said, oh, I, I got doubts here. No, he went from, you know, being the mighty preacher to being in jail about yeah. to have his head chopped off. Mm -hmm. So when your circumstances change, it is understandable because we're human right. mm -hmm. to raise questions about what we thought was true. Yeah. And I think that's what we see with John. He's just saying, look, my circumstances are changing. I have changed. This is not what I expected as a representative of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, that raises a whole other set of issues. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is maybe one of the reasons why people are having serious doubts and walking away from faith is because they have had inappropriate, implausible expectations yeah. about what the Christian faith is and right. what mm -hmm. it means by way of what you experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so if you've got this idea that uh, if I'm going to have hardship, if I lose my job, if I've got some tragedy in my family, whether it's health or accident or whatever else, if you've got this idea that you're somehow protected, especially by God, that yeah. he's going to prevent all that kind of stuff from happening, if that's your expectation, I can guarantee you, you're going to have frustration. Right, right, right. Yeah. So part of it is making sure that we also have a solid theology 
Yeah. That we understand God and the ways of God with humanity properly and biblically mm. so that we don't set up these false expectations right. Right. that are then uh, inevitably not met mm-hmm. and then we walk away. Yeah. Two things that come to mind. I'm thinking of a former student here that you would know well, I'm sure, who has fallen away from the faith. Well, the bit of, I know something of his story, and the first thing that this person did volitionally was decide to have an affair with somebody mm. besides his yeah, or, or Yeah, did. And then it just snowballed, and, and his claim was nobody came around, which was not true. You know, I mean, you start justifying your actions, and you start making up excuses for choosing to go against the way God wants you to go, and therefore you know, become an atheist or a Buddhist or whatever you want to become, without ask, answering those tough questions you were saying earlier. And the other thing is, it serves, I think this kind of discussion serves as a reminder to those of us who are trying to live the Christian faith to be diligent in that, to be involved. Kevin and I are in a small, we call it with life groups, there's four mm-hmm. of us, and we open up about those things that are uh, temptations for us, and that, you know, the times when we've fallen into sin and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. I mean, that, that's the biblical approach. I, you know, Paul talked about speaking the truth in love. Well, what better way to speak the truth in love to a brother um, or to a sister if it's you know, women working with women and stuff? Without that, I don't see how we're ever going to get beyond the issues that we see. We've got to have that kind of close-knit family relationship that needs to just spread across the church right. and really has to happen. Yeah, and, and one thing too that I've kind of come across in research I've done is the importance of intergenerational influence. Mm. Mm. Okay, so you can have and, and need those kind of life groups, um, but it's even more valuable if you can also get influences from older generations into the younger generation uh, so that they have models, yeah. uh, hopefully, at least, of people who not only believe it, but live it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a, a sense of wisdom there. I think as ironic as it seems, I believe that young people today really are very open mm-hmm. to having older folks yeah. who are genuine. Yes. Which, by that I mean, they don't act like know-it-alls. Right. And they are humble in what they're expressing but they're caring for people, but they're also willing to share yeah. some basic truths of Christianity and they're that honest. are theologically solid, but also are practically yeah. effective. They're honest about their own issues. Yeah. They're and repentant. They, yeah. Uh, they, 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 they can, as Luther said, sin boldly. They can understand, you can understand, hey, listen, I don't have all the answers, and I don't always live out what I'm trying to tell you, but when I don't, I want you to know I'm going back to God for forgiveness. I want to ask you for forgiveness. And I, I've seen it. And say, I don't know if you've seen the same thing, but from my experience, the number one thing that I've seen drive young people out of the church were parents that were inauthentic. Parents that were not consistent in their faith. Yes, they had the propositional truth, and they, they nailed that down. They hammered that. 
but they didn't live it out. Mm. And it was easy to see in the home. And I don't know how many students, mm. I, I, that's the number one reason I've seen students say, I, I don't want anything to do with this because I've seen this at home, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, doubts are complex. Yeah. They're not a simple thing. And, and it's, it's a lot like, uh, I think, when, when you walk into a medical doctor's office, what are they gonna do? They're gonna ask you a lot of questions about your symptoms and what's going on. They, they don't walk, you don't walk in and they just assume what you have. They don't yeah. just know it straight away. Uh, and it's the same way when you're talking to somebody who has doubts, a student has doubts yeah. or anybody has doubts, there could be a lot of reasons for it. And we've been talking about some of them, intellectual doubts, volitional doubts. Volitional are the most serious. That's when you just yeah. don't, don't care. Emotional doubts, the most painful, um, that's when you just don't feel it anymore yeah um and and it's not a matter of uh the truth of it it's a matter of how you feel about the thing yeah. you're doubting and uh, maybe you don't feel that god loves you and, and the only way you're going to know what sort of doubt somebody's having is if you ask them a lot of questions right. you have to ask them uh and that was how it was with my students i've i've talked to different students who had different uh doubts and different you you can you can tell that when you start asking them questions yeah. and, and if you assume well I just got to launch into some apologetic argument. This person's having a doubt. That may not be what they need. Yeah. They, they may not have intellectual doubts. There might be other things going on. It may be their parents, like you said. Yeah. It may be uh, some other issue going on. It may be a moral thing that they're struggling with, and, and then they're sort of trying to make uh, their, their beliefs about God fit with that, yeah. that the lifestyle that they want to start living. There could be all sorts of things, but the only way you're going to know is if you ask a lot of questions, let them do a lot of talking, uh, and then there's going to be a different approach that you would have depending on what sort of doubt there is. So this, this has to be relational. Yes. Kevin, I, I would definitely affirm, affirm the point you just made about some inauthentic parents or non-genuinely Christian parents and the devastating spiritual effect that it has on others. But I also want to talk to parents who have tried their best by Mm. God's grace to live a genuine Christian life who nonetheless have sons or daughters or grandsons and granddaughters who have questioned and doubted to the point that they're walking away. And I, and I want to, so I want to like to make the other other right. side here, and that, and that is nothing guarantees spiritual success mm-hmm. for your son or daughter or your grandson or granddaughter. Right. Now, being genuine as parents and grandparents, that should be a given. Yeah. Okay, that should be our passionate desire. But gee, I mean, God set up the perfect environment. Right. You know, mm-hmm. originally. Everything was perfect. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was opportunity there, but everything was basically perfect. And and yet, I mean, if you look at God as father, you know, to these characters uh, in early Genesis, uh, well, even God was a failure. Hmm. Well, it depends on, you know, your perspective on what. I'm a Calvinist. But, I can't say that. Okay. So I'm getting so, uncomfortable so, here. So, well, that gets us involved. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus, I mean, look, yeah, he had 12. Right. So one of them did what? So I'm not talking about percentages here. I'm just making the principle that when you look at these key narratives in Scripture, what you find is that people still have the prerogative of choosing, responding yeah. 
right. uh, contrary to what those who love them want them to do. And, and so I, I want to encourage you know, parents and grandparents yeah. that are in that particular circumstance to let them know that they're not alone right. and that God is with them and to encourage them to continue the relationships, right. okay, so that they have some promise, yeah. some prospect of ongoing helpful conversation down the road. And God loves them and continued prayer might bring them back. Who knows how long that, yeah. that right. prodigal son was gone. Yeah. All right, we got to wrap things up before this comes to a part <laughs> three. Um, let me keep these guys here all day. Uh, but I do want to end on a positive note. And you you kind of hit this. There's no one we should be giving up on. Exactly. Whether it's Josh Harris, my student, my grandchild, no matter how hardened they are, you know, Ezekiel tells us that God can take the heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. Um, and... There are, we can talk about story after story about people who come to Christ late in life after rejecting. And as long as God is in charge, as long as his word is powerful, there's always hope. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, as you, as you mentioned before here, we have a lot more tools to deal with this than even past generations. And one again, one of those tools is the Room for Doubt Um so, Rich, tell us again where we can find more information and what the website is. And... www.roomfordoubt.com and just do a search for iOS app or Android app, Room for Doubt, and you'll find information about the program, about all what's going on. We also have a YouTube channel and Vimeo where we do some exciting things. We're also releasing some brief animations. We currently have one available, about a six-minute one, yeah. on why why should I, therefore, why should I still believe, or why do you still believe? Yeah. Um, so check out those resources. You can sign up on our website and get various uh, updates periodically. And also one unique thing about our website, you can post your own questions. Yes. And we will respond to those questions in a variety of posts. And maybe that'll be Zach. And that may well be Zach. <laughs> so yeah, well, he and I have worked on that for quite a long time. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Again, uh, check that out at roomfordoubt.com. Of course, check out basicbiblepodcast.org and uh, check out our blog. And you can again on Twitter at basicbiblecast and Instagram, the same thing. So thanks for hanging in with us for two weeks on this episode. And we'll be back next week. So until then, have a great rest of your week.